Welcome to episode 7 of Crunch Time with Jacob Cox. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Cox. This is episode 7. It is March 5th at the time this is being published. It is March 4th at the time I'm recording about 7 o'clock at night here on March 4th. Today's jam-packed show for you. We got a good one. We're talking... Red Wings trade deadline moves. They made two moves. Let's talk about them, and let's talk about the grand plan that Steve Eiserman has. And then we will move to the NHL trade deadline recap. We'll recap all the trades. We'll give small opinions, but then we're going to really focus on what's next. We're going to take a look at the NHL standings. What do these moves mean as far as This team's going to jump. This team's going to fall. This team bowed out. We'll see what happens. And then, will Tom Brady really leave New England? Talk about the scenarios there. We'll get my opinion. But, of course, to make it fun, you got to talk about all the options. And then if he does, who would be the New England Patriots quarterback next season? Talk that. We'll give you three options. um, But we'll give you... Two strange ones. Three realistic, two strange ones. Then the NFL Combine. Is is it worth it anymore? Is it worth it to have the NFL Combine? Get you my opinion on that. Can Chase Young fall to the Lions at number three? And it's March, baby. It is March. We'll be talking about all that coming up. Let's start with the Detroit Red Wings. Alrighty, so NHL trade deadline came around in our... Last place Detroit Red Wings decided, hey, it's about time we should make some moves. Steve Eiserman got it going, made some moves. And I just want to throw this out there. I trust the guy. 100%. Um, You know, he's not a bad dude at all. And he was able to put together that Tampa Bay Lightning team. And I think he's going to be able to put this Detroit Red Wing team together. So they made two individual trades to the Edmonton Oilers. You're going to hear those in a minute when I get to the entire NHL trade deadline recap. But for this segment here, Mike Green, Andreas Anthony-CU are no longer a part of the Red Wings. They're a part of the Edmonton Oilers. Since that trade, both of them have gotten injured, uh, but that's beside the point. What I think is, is really interesting about the trade and about the moves Steve Iserman has made, is that the Red Wings now, in this 2020 NHL draft, they have one first-round pick, they have three second-round picks, two third-round picks, and four picks between the fourth and seventh round. As far as the 2021 draft goes, one first round, two second round, two third rounds, and four four through seven round picks. It's a lot of picks. That's a lot of players that Steve Eiserman and his staff and his scout team get to draft. I mean, that's 11 guys in the 2020 draft. That's 11 guys that the Detroit Red Wings are going to bring into their organization as far as at least a prospect this this upcoming draft in June. That's what they're going to do. And Steve Eiserman has said since day one, since he got here, that this is exactly what he was going to do. 100%. He was going to build this team through the draft. 
It's the way to do it. Always believe that's the way to do it. And that's why I get on the line so much because they don't know how to draft. And, and drafting is huge. So Steve Eiserman is doing his best to acquire picks. And honestly, I hope it works out. He's going to build a team through the draft. I mean, Mike Green is brutal. Mike Green was one of the worst defensemen on the team. All right. With a team that is in last place in the league, you've got a guy who is really bottom four, bottom two, in terms of the only reason he played a lot because he was a veteran. You know, they considered him a top four D-man because he's a veteran on a team with a bunch of young guys who haven't played in the NHL yet. It's the only reason. So you'll look at it that way. No, no wonder you weren't going to get a boatload for him. But the return wasn't terrible. You got forward Kaya Bronziak and a conditional fourth-round draft pick. So if the Oilers, you know, I don't know what the condition is there. But you got a forward. Okay, Kyle Brodziak, he knows what he's doing. You got a fourth-round pick. It's fine. You weren't going to get a lot from Mike Green. You got a pick, which is Steve Eiserman. At this point, he'll take as many picks as possible, and he got to play. Not saying Kyle Brodziak is going to be franchise-changing player, but he got a draft pick, and that pick could be. Right? And then... The big news, the better player, one of the best players on the team, Andreas Anthony also shipped off to the Edmonton Oilers. And like I said, it, it is all good in the hood with that trade. I mean, look, I know Andreas Anthony puts up a lot of points. You got a 2020 second round pick, a 2021 second round pick. You got two second round picks. You got Sam Gagne. I don't care that you got Sam Gagne. I, I, I really don't. Sam Gagne, to me, he doesn't matter. If we wouldn't have got him, cool, I'm good with two second-round picks. I mean, you now have three second-round picks in this upcoming draft in June. I'm sure there's three guys out there that Steve Eisman's going to be able to find and love in the second round. Hands down. I mean... Steve Eisenman, one of the best players of all time, to put on that Detroit Red Wing uniform. He's going to find someone. He's going to find someone to play for that winged wheel. So, ultimately, Steve Eisenman is doing exactly what he said he would do. Acquire draft picks and build this team through the draft. Now, when he drafted last June... He picked the first-round pick, the German defenseman, Sider. Now, Mo Sider appears to be playing very well in Grand Rapids. I see the highlights on Twitter that, you know, the people that watch the games post, and you look at his numbers, time on ice, you love it. You think, wow, Iserman saw something in him, picked him up, and it's amazing. It's great. It is absolutely great. And it was a great pick. Now, at the time... I doubted it. At the time, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know if I would have picked him. He wasn't projected to go then. And it was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. I guess we just got to trust Steve Eisenman, and we should. So now saying that he's got to pick the right guys with all these picks, he's got all these picks, he's got to draft the right guys. I trust him too. 
I really do. He knows what he's doing. And when he picks Sider, and we all doubted him, and Sider comes out and is playing great hockey, playing great hockey in Grand Rapids, hey, let's let's roll the dice with him again. He's got all these picks now. He's got 11 picks in June. Nine of them are going to be great. Nine of them are going to be very good picks. Not saying nine, all nine of them will be NHL guys. They'll be the top nine forwards or something like that. It's not what I'm saying. But I humbly believe Iserman and his scout team are doing very good. They know what the, they know what guys they want, and they're going to go get them. But but the moral of the story is he's he's acquiring draft picks. He's going to go draft the right guys, and this team's going to move in the right direction. I'm a big believer in that, and I'm a big believer on Steve Eisman. That's my Red Wings trade deadline recap. That's a little bit of what I wanted to share. We made two moves. We got rid of a very bad player and a very good player. But we got draft picks and two players. Like I said, I don't care if the two players came or not, to be quite honest with you. I really don't care. Two two big second-round picks in the Anthony CU trade. You got a pick. You got a fourth round pick with Mike Green. That's, that's, I don't care. Like it's fourth round pick. Cool. We'll just get another prospect going and, and maybe Eiserman finds the best guy in the fourth round and it works out. All right. NHL trade deadline recap. Um, I'm going to break down. I'm going to, I want to tell everybody the trades. I want everybody to know the trades that happened. And then we're going to look at the NHL standings and kind of, Kind of talk about what's next. So the first thing I want to do is talk trades. Before the day before the NHL trade deadline, the Washington Capitals acquired uh, Kovalchuk from the Montreal Canadiens. Now this guy signed with the Kings, didn't work out. Then signed with Montreal. Now he's traded to Washington. He's there with Ovechkin. They have always dreamed of playing with each other in the NHL and winning a Stanley Cup because they played together on Team Russia. Um, in the Olympics and all that. So I don't know how much Kovalchuk is going to contribute, but it's a trade that I guess Ovechkin and the Capitol fans can be happy about, at least for the time being. They can be happy about this one. Um, the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche acquired um, Nemeshtikov from the Senators for a 2021 fourth-round pick. Um, the Penguins. Um, I'm sorry, the Islanders acquired uh, Pegu from the Senators. Senators were a big seller, obviously, um, but they gave up a first round. Uh, the Senators got a first round pick and a second round pick in the 2020 draft, um, which was huge for them. You know, they acquire another first round pick. It's very good. Islanders gave up a lot for him. And that, at that point, he's got to produce. At that point, he's got to move the, the Islanders to a a solid playoff team. You gave up that much. That's got to happen. Uh, Trocek from the Panthers is headed to Carolina for Eric Halla and Lucas Walmart. That was a big, big trade. Trocek to the Hurricanes from the Panthers. I think I'm in love with Trocek. I think he's very good. I don't know what the Florida Panthers really want to do right now. It's one of those teams that you're just so unsure of their direction. I thought when they got Joe Quinville, I go, hey, watch out for this team. They've been there. They haven't been there. I don't know what this move really does for them. I also don't know what it does for Carolina. They give up Eric Halla 
in Walmart. They give up two guys for the price of one, I guess. You get it in one player. Trocek's very good. I get it, but I don't at the same time. Uh, the Avalanche acquired uh, Michael Hutchinson from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you know, it just gives up. It gives the Avalanche backup goaltender that's reliable. That That's really all it does. They want to go deep into the playoffs, and they want to make sure that they get there. And, and they're going to be there, but they want to make sure they get that deep run to the, the Western Conference Final, to the Stanley Cup. Sometimes you need to make sure you have at least an okay backup goaltender in there. Um, the Flyers also acquired forward Nate Thompson from the Montreal Canadiens, a kid that's done very well this year, uh, but that's really been his only year. So um, the Flyers also acquired uh, Derek Grant from the Anaheim Ducks um, for our uh, Chris Aluo and a fourth-round pick in the 2020 draft. Um, a big name moved. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins acquired Patrick Marlowe from the San Jose Sharks uh, for a conditional 2021 third-round pick. So Marlowe in Pittsburgh with with Sid the Kid and, and Malkin. You know, it could get interesting in Pittsburgh. And that team, I think that team's flying a little bit under the radar. A lot of people think, oh, they're washed up. They're not doing this. They're doing very, very good. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres acquired Wayne Simmons from the Devils. Uh, the Bruins ac- acquired Nick Ritchie from the Ducks. Um, Honor Sheary is headed back to Pittsburgh um, from Buffalo. Louis Domingue is headed to Vancouver from New Jersey. And the, the Golden Knights acquired Nick Cousins from the Montreal Canadiens. I'm trying to think. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers acquired Tyler Ennis from the Ottawa Senators. Just trying to find big ones now. Calgary Flames acquired uh, defenseman Eric Gustafson from the Chicago Blackhawks for a third-round pick. It's a great trade for Calgary. Get some depth on defense there. Uh, it's really what they need. Um, the Coyotes hi, uh, acquired uh, Hackinen from the Blue Jackets. Nothing big there. Um, I want a good one. I am looking for one. Um, the Predators acquired defenseman uh, Corbin Holzer from the Anaheim Ducks for um, Matt Irwin and a 2022. Six round pick. So a lot of moves made. I think it was a very entertaining NHL trade deadline. It was kind of slow starting. It's definitely slow starting. I think a lot happened between like noon and 3 p.m. Eastern time. A lot happened. Um, a lot of trades went off. So that was all the trades pretty much. Uh, I started not naming them all, but that was a lot of them. So what does this mean? Like what now? And, you know, we, we look at the NHL standings and you go, hmm, well, this is interesting, right? The Capitals didn't make a ton of noise. They sit three points ahead of the Flyers. And the Flyers, team flying under the radar, picked up some guys. They're in second place now in the Metropolitan Division. And then the Penguins, like I said, maybe a team flying a little bit under the radar. That's a team who sits at third in the Metropolitan Division. 
And, you know, they, they got Connor Sheary back. Uh, they picked up Patrick Marlowe. That's a team that can definitely trend in the right direction. Um, and and I think they will. I think that's a team that could definitely make a run. You look at the Atlantic Division and see what they got. So the Atlantic Division, Boston is in first place with 96 points. Yeah, I mean, you could pretty much say they only improved at the trade deadline, but they didn't make a huge splash. The Lightning didn't make a huge splash. They sit in second place in that division with 87 points. But those two teams are so far at the top because you look at who's in third place. Toronto Maple Leafs, third place team, 78 points. Okay, nine points behind the second place team. And like I said, Toronto's an embarrassment. I have on my notes here, so so I have a sheet of notes for you know this segment. I've got tr- talk trades, NHL standings now, Caps, Blues, Abs, Boston President's Trophy. And then I have Toronto embarrassment. I mean, this is a team that lost to a Zamboni driver. Uh, and I seriously, they lost to a Zamboni driver. This team is an embarrassment. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, you should be ashamed. I'm seriously. Uh, you're five and five in your last ten. You're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You made some moves. You got a ton of talent. I mean, this is embarrassing. It's so embarrassing you lost to a Zamboni driver. I mean, seriously. What are we doing here? All right. And then the wild card in the East, you got the Islanders with 78 points. Columbus with 78. Uh, Carolina on the bubble with 75. Rangers, only four points behind um, of that second wild card spot. They have 74 points. And Florida, I guess I'll put them in contention because Montreal kind of bailed out with 71. No, seven points out. Florida's got 73, so they're five points out of that second wild card. It ain't over for Florida. They can certainly get in. I don't know if they will. Probably highly doubt they will, to be quite honest with you. Um, but, I mean, you look at the East, and, and like I said, I, I think you look at the standings. I like the Capitals a lot. I think Philadelphia and Pittsburgh really improved at the deadline. Boston is obviously you know, the best team in the league. Tampa's kind of flew under my radar this season. Toronto's a joke. And then you got the Islanders. Just, I list about four or five teams. There. Four or five teams that are going to make that cup run. Maybe six. But four or five teams are my guys in the East. Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Boston. And I like the Islanders. But the Islanders aren't going to make that run. I like four teams in the East. I think the Islanders are capable of knocking off one of those four teams in the first round, 100%. But I've got four teams, so one of those four teams will be in the Stanley Cup final. Move to the West, that central division. Blues are in first place with 90. Again, not a huge splash at the deadline. Solid team, though. Didn't need to make a ton of moves. Didn't need to make a huge splash. They just keep need to keep doing their thing, pretty much. Colorado, a team that I believe is um, capable of going to that state chan- uh, the Stanley Cup final, very capable of doing that. Sit at eighty-seven points, three points behind the St. Louis Blues in the Central Division. And here's what I find so entertaining, or so. Interesting about that Colorado team. They're 23-9-2 on the road. 
I mean, out of their 18 losses, they've lost ha- half of those games at home, half of those on the road. They're they're such a good road team. Such a good road team. Um, the Dallas Stars in third place there with 82 points didn't make a move. Didn't really get into the deadline. So what does this mean if you're a Stars fan? All you can take away is they're satisfied where they're at. They're not pushing and they ain't falling. I mean, this is a team who's 5-2-3 and three in their last 10 games. They're probably going to make the playoffs. I mean, the next team in their division is eight points behind them. So they're probably going to make it. I mean, if they were to fall out of the third place spot, they'd be the number one wild card right now. So they're probably going to make it, but they're not pushing for that deep playoff run. So I guess you could be really mad if you're a Stars fan, but they're not necessarily giving up any of their future just to make that run in a loaded, in a, in a division. I'm not going to say a loaded West because I think the West is very weak compared to the East at least, but they're not pushing to make the run. They're not giving up their future to compete with some very good teams in that division. I mean, their division has got the two best teams in the West. You look at the Pacific, Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary. Vegas, Edmonton at the top, two-point difference there. Vegas, 82, Edmonton, 80. Both teams improved drastically at the deadline. Vegas acquired, they got backup goaltending. Vegas got the goalies. They've got the defensemen. They've got the offense. They're going to win the division. But Edmonton. Dark horse in the postseason. I picked up a lot of offense. They got Leon. They got Connor. If Anthony CU can come back and be healthy, they got Tyler Ennis too. This is a dangerous team now in the Pacific Division that could easily be in the Western Conference Finals. So I think top two in the Pacific and top two in the Central, that's my top four teams. St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, Edmonton. After that, it's pretty much just a cluster of very average teams. Very average teams. It's really the same place in the East. I got four. I probably have a good, a better. The East, the East, fifth, six, seven team are better than the West, five, six, seven. But one, two, three, and four are mono e mono, in my opinion. Mono e mono. St. Louis and Boston, let's go at it again. And that was a very good series last year in the Stanley Cup final, right? Let's do it. Let's go at it again. In Colorado, uh, who would you put them up with in the West there? I mean, sorry, in the East. Put them up with the Caps. I think that's a great series. I, it really is. Uh, Vegas, Philly. Great series. Edmonton, Pittsburgh. McDavid versus Crosby. Great series. So those, those four, pound for pound, are better. But you look at the East 5th, Tampa Bay. Yeah, let's give them the nod. I think Toronto's a joke, so that one goes to the West. But, you know, Islanders, Blue Jackets, Carolina is better than the West where they've got Vancouver, Minnesota, Nashville. Like, let's let's talk, right? Winnipeg. You know, you throw them in there. All right, um... That's my little take. <laughs> That's my take on the NHL. I think if if I had to say right now who's coming out of the East 
it's probably going to be the Washington Capitals, and that's because Boston's going to win the President's Trophy. And fun little fact, you win the President's Trophy, you don't make it past the second round. So I'll probably go with the Capitals. And out of the West, I'll take the Blues. Abs could be there too. Like I said, the Oilers, they could do it too. Um, but I'll probably go with Caps Blues right now. I think that would be a very entertaining cup final where the Capitals uh, come out on top, come out with the ring. Ovi gets his second. Um, all right, let's move on. Took a lot of time up with that one. All right, next segment. Will Tom Brady really leave the New England Patriots? That's what we're talking about now. All right. People are, the first thing I want to say, people are reporting anything. People don't care. They're just saying whatever. All right. It's a fact. It's what's happening. Don't believe me? Adam Schefter, and Adam Schefter rarely calls out anybody else in the world. I mean, come on. He doesn't call anybody out. He just kind of reports his news and goes about his business. So if someone else is wrong, he doesn't say anything. But today he, on Wednesday, I'll just say that, he made a very interesting comment. The Boston Herald, at about 11 o'clock, tweeted, um, Brady and Belichick had talked and it didn't go very well. Adam Schefter later said that they talked business as usual and it wasn't even that day. They had talked days before. Okay, I believe Adam Schefter and not the Boston Herald. I think that's that's uh, probably what everyone's saying. So they did they did talk. Congrats to the Boston Herald on getting that one right. But it 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 went well. It was business as usual. Probably talked football. How's the family? Okay, talk to you later. All right. So I don't want to go into that pretty much, but I do want to say that people are going to report anything. People just want to be the people that break the story and know what the scoop is. Here's the thing. I don't think Tom Brady is going anywhere. I think he will stay in New England, and I think they will be in the Super Bowl next year. 100%. Tom Brady returns to the Patriots. The Patriots will be in the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. He could leave. And Tom still could go to the Super Bowl. But I think the Patriots give him the best chance. And that's why I think he's going to stay. Like, you rip people that rip LeBron for going to the Lakers and winning championships. And the same thing with the Warriors. Everyone wanted to join. You know, KD wanted to join the Warriors to win a championship. I ripped them for it. I ripped LeBron for going to the Lakers. You can't. Like, if Tom was to go to, like, a team and because they're in a better position to win a championship, I'd rip Tom. And I don't want to rip Tom. I think he's the GOAT, greatest of all time. It would tarnish his legacy a little bit, and I don't think he wants to even put that into question. Now, I also think his wife will have a little bit to, to say in this matter. I think Tom has dedicated a lot of years to football and will give his wife a say in this conversation which is fine. I've got five options or six options that Tom Brady could be going to because, like I said, I don't think he's going, but we still got to have this conversation, right? We still have to talk about, uh, well, if he does go, where would it be? So let's have this conversation. I'm okay with it. Let's do it, okay? First team up, 
L.A. Chargers. Eh, you got to play. You've got to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. I don't think Tom Brady wants to go to a place where he's going to have to play harder games. Look at his division. He gets two easy games. I'm sorry, he gets four easy games because two of the opponents are complete jokes. The Jets and the Dolphins, complete jokes. Don't worry about that. The Bills, eh, well, you catch them at Foxborough. You you know you go to Buffalo. Uh, it, it's a it's a coin flip now, I guess. But this is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They're gonna win the division. You go to L.A. You're probably not winning the division. You got Patrick Mahomes, so eh, he ain't going to L.A. Sorry, he's the, he's not gonna play for the Chargers. I think that's a hot topic. I think a lot of people are putting money. Oh yeah, he's going. His wife wants to be out with. Tom doesn't want to play Patrick Mahomes. Twice a year. It's not happening. Las Vegas Raiders. Eh, he doesn't he doesn't want to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Same same question. Okay? He's not playing Patrick Mahomes twice a year. He's not going from his AFC East to the AFC West and have to play the Super Bowl champs twice a year. Tom Brady's not gonna do that. So that leaves three options outside of the, the long one. So Colts, Titans, Cowboys. I think those are three legit options. The Colts play in a crappy division. The Titans play in a crappy division. The Cowboys play in a crappy division. There's nobody he has to fear playing. You think he's going to fear Carson Wentz? Highly doubt it. That's the best guy in the NFC East. The Redskins don't know who they've got at quarterback. Uh, They have Dwayne Haskins. Do they not? Are they going to draft Tua? I'll get to that in a minute. But they don't know what they're doing. In the Colts division, well, nobody has a quarterback. Same thing with the Titans. They, they, nobody, ha- nobody has a quarterback. Are the Titans going to sign Tannehill to that long extension that he wants? Who knows? Who freaking knows? Not me. Are the Jaguars going to start Gardner Minshew? I, I mean, they could. But I think, you know, those are the three best options. Now, the the extraordinary option, the option that could happen, highly doubt it, but could happen, is the San Francisco 49ers. If that happens, Jimmy G goes back to the Patriots. I think, hey, Patriots fans, you might want to jump on that offer if it ever gets on the table. I think Belichick loves Jimmy G, but he loves Tom Moore. 49ers are an option. A team that's ready to win the Super Bowl now. But, here's the big but. That would tarnish Tom's legacy. He wouldn't be a pure winner anymore. He'd be, oh, man, he jumped ship to win his last ring. It wouldn't be the same as if he wins it in New England. And that's exactly why he's going to stay. Doesn't want to do any. Like, if he goes someplace else, like San Francisco, and wins that ring, it will not mean the same as if you won it with Bill in New England with the Patriots. Wouldn't have mean it wouldn't mean the same thing. If he goes to San Francisco, wins the ring with the 49ers, no one would feel the same with that ring compared to the other ones. That's all I want to say. The Brady Kyle Shanahan Super Bowl championship is totally different than the Brady Belichick. And it will always be viewed. Like when you bring up Tom Brady, you'll believe, 
you'll be like, yeah, but that last one, it was with the 49ers. It was with Kyle Shanahan, not Bill Belichick. He just kind of joined a winning team that was going to win without him. Like, that's the exact argument people are going to make. Tom Brady didn't win the, the ring. He kind of got carried to it. He didn't have to do much. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo, average quarterback, didn't do much, got to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady would have won that game, yeah. And Tom Brady would still be the greatest quarterback of all time. But he could easily get carried to the Super Bowl. But if he stays in New England, Tom would be the reason they go to the Super Bowl. And I think that's what Tom wants. He wants to be the reason they go. So I don't like the 49ers being brought up, but it's become an option. And obviously Tom would take that option seriously. He doesn't have to do the wear and tear stuff anymore. They're going to hand the ball off 30 plus times a game, eat it up, and be set. So I think Tom would love the idea of being in San Francisco. But I think people would go, oh, well, that last ring he won, he got carried. He wasn't the reason they won it at all. And he wouldn't be the Super Bowl MVP. He wouldn't be the NFL's MVP. He wins it in New England. He's the Super Bowl MVP. He has a chance to be the NFL MVP. That's all I got to say. This is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick we're talking about, by the way, folks. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But like I said, Colts, Titans, Cowboys, definitely options because the division's so weak. Tom doesn't want to go out and play top teams in the league week in and week out. He joins the Chargers and he joins the Raiders. He's got to play Patrick Mahomes two times a year. He doesn't want anything to do with that. I mean, really, would you? But let's continue on the hypothetical train, okay? Let's let's continue on that real quick. If he does leave, let's say he chooses, let's say he chooses the 49ers, the Colts, the you know, the Chargers, Titans, Cowboys, Raiders. Let's say he picks one. Well, if he picks the 49ers, I would assume Jimmy Garoppolo trots his butt back to Boston, Massachusetts, goes to Foxborough, goes into Bill Belichick's office and say, Hey, you drafted me, I'm your quarterback now, right? But if he chooses somebody else, let's say he chooses the Colts, the Titans, or the Cowboys, a more reliable, realistic option. Who is the quarterback of the New England Patriots? I've got three options for you. Actually, I have four. I have three players and then a different option, a different direction. Bill Belichick and the management can go in. Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, or they go with the backup Jarrett Stidham. Or they trade up. They don't have to trade up a crap ton to get Jacob Eason. Or, you know, hey, look, we, we, we think what we think about Jacob Eason, right? The tape don't lie. And when I talk about the NFL Combine in a minute, I don't like, I think the Combine's bogus. Jacob Eason isn't that good. We didn't think Tom Brady was anything amazing. It's Bill Belichick. He'll make it work. But they could trade up way up to Justin Herbert to get Justin Herbert. Um, I think those are the two guys that Belichick would go after to get. But Jameis Winston, you don't, you know, that'd be, that'd be cool to see. I don't think his stuff would necessarily fly with Bill Belichick. Um, but it's a guy who probably isn't going to be the quarterback in Tampa Bay next year. I don't think Bruce Arians really likes him. And he's going to be searching for a home. And I think New England, Foxborough could be that home. You know, I don't think Belichick would necessarily want it. I don't think 
he would necessarily love the idea of Jameis Winston being his quarterback, but he would, you know, if he doesn't draft one and he doesn't believe Jared Stidham is the guy, going to get Jameis could be like, hey, at least he's played games in the NFL, right? I mean, that, that could come down to Bill Belichick being like, you know what? I'm not going out with Jared Stidham and I'm not going out with an undrafted free agent quarterback who can't throw the ball 15 yards down the field. Give me Jameis Winston. I'll deal with the 25 picks he's going to throw. Hopefully he throws 35 touchdowns and, and, and let the defense be the king. It's just an option. Andy Dalton will no longer be the quarterback in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, that's his job. So Andy Dalton could be in the market. You know, people have talked about him going to the Chicago Bears, competing with Mitchell Trubinsky. Uh, But if Tom leaves, I expect, you know, hey, he could make a run at Mitchell Trubinsky. And then, you know, the Bears could trade for Andy Dalton. Could be a three-way trade. Um, Or Belichick just grabs Andy Dalton and and shapes, molds him. Or they could just roll the dice with the backup quarterback, Jared Stidham. Played at Auburn. Played at Houston. You know, I, I don't know. The guy hasn't played. The guy wasn't great in college. I assume he's been developing very well behind Tom Brady and under Bill Belichick. So, you know, maybe maybe he's developed enough to be a game-managing quarterback and let the defense in the run game do most of the work. We could also see two of these scenarios play out. I mean, you could see the Patriots move up to draft Jacob Eason but start Jared Stidham or Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston, and then halfway through the season, oh, that didn't work. Let's go with the other one. I mean, or you could see, you know, we're going to get Jameis Winston. Oh, that didn't work. We're going to start Jared Stidham, and then we're going to make the postseason. Or we're going to go get Andy Dalton. Oh, that didn't work, Jared Stidham. Or Andy Dalton, Winston, or Eason, Herbert. Like All these different options Bell Belichick could pull off. He could pull off any number of them. And be successful. This is Bill Belichick we're talking about. This is Robert Kraft. This is the New England Patriots. This is what they do. I'm excited to see exactly what happens. But let me remind you, once again, let me remind you that I don't think Tom Brady is leaving New England and none of this is going to matter. Okay? Do want to point that out. Okay? Really do. All right, NFL Combine. I'm going to talk about the NFL Combine, but real quick, if I happen to pause in the rest of this episode, it's because I'm on Twitter, all right? Michigan High School Hockey State Playoffs. My rival, Lavonia Stevenson, in overtime with Novi High School, two teams that played against very entertaining games this year. So I'm just trying to get updates on a lot of the games around the state. So if I pause myself, it's because... Hey, I'm probably reading Twitter and something interesting just happened. Like, you know, that's something I really dig into. Um, high school hockey, you know, played it this year. And, you know, Stevenson, hopefully they can pull it out here. But uh, it's a close one. 1-1, one, one, they're at it overtime. So I'll be refreshing Twitter, you know, a lot throughout uh, the rest of the episode. So if I do pause, I apologize. That's why. And hey, maybe. I'll be able to throw in the score there. Th- shout out to Stevenson there um, if they do indeed pull it off. But I'll tell you, 
All right, NFL Combine. So a lot of questions has come, have come out of the Combine. Small hands on Joe Burrow. All right, guys, look. I, I, I don't care about his hand size. I really don't. Does it matter if it's 9 and 3 eighths or 9 and 2 eighths or, or, or 9 inches? Like, does it matter? Who cares? Watch the tape. Does the ball come out of his hands? When he, when he goes back to throw it? Nope. Okay, he's good enough. His hand's good. Mark him off. Yep, yep, check mark. I mean, seriously, what's the point of measuring his hand at the combine? Just so someone can say something when the when he fumbles the ball? Like, who gives a shit? Seriously, who gives a flying shit about his hand size? Is it that big of a deal? And people were talking about this for like two days. Two days I saw it all over Twitter. Oh my God, his hand size is, it's, it's so small compared to everybody. Guys, I don't care. Seriously, I don't care. Um, but, you know, that's what they say, right? Um, so, that was that. Um, and then a lot of people brought up people not participating as kind of a big thing. Well, here's my take on not participating in the NFL combine. If you're Joe Burrow or you're like Tua, why compete in the in the combine? It can really only hurt you. You've got the film. You've got the tape. That's good enough. Like, what's the point of the the only point of the combine is for the guys who are on the bubble of the second and third round, like trying to move into the first, or guys that uh, I probably need to prove myself a little bit more. I really need some good numbers at the combine. Other than that, it does it matter? Tape don't lie. Watch the game tape. It doesn't lie. These D two players, they want to show off at the combine. These MAC players or, or small conference players, yet yeah, they want to show out at the combine. But if I'm a quarterback at the University of Alabama, I don't care about the NFL Combine. I just won like 25 games as a starter. I don't care. I'm going to be a th- you know in the top three rounds. I'm going to be in the top two rounds. Like it, it honestly doesn't matter to participate in the NFL Combine. It doesn't. It's for the kids that really need to prove themselves. Tua, Joe Burrow. Chase Young, they don't got to prove jack shit. They really don't. I think the combine can be pointless. It's not pointless for the guys that are trying to prove themselves. Hats off to them. But I don't really care what Joe Burrow's hand size is, and that's the only reason. That's that's about the only reason I saw that he went. So people could mock his hand size. Like if Joe Burrow just didn't show up, no one would care about his hand size, and people would still think he's the number one pick in the NFL draft. I mean, am I wrong? If Joe Burrow didn't show up, he's still the number one pick in the NFL draft. And he didn't even participate. They've got their pro day. LSU has their pro day. Keep that. Get rid of the combine. And let these, like you can say, every small conference player and every D2 player that wants a chance, Here's your day at, in, in like, it was in Indianapolis, right? Where the Colts play. Here's your day. It's a small school combine. I, I don't know what you'd call it. Everybody else, you know, you have your school's pro day and scouts will come. That's my take on the whole matter. I I think my, mine is better. 
Um, sorry, on Twitter again. Huh. Howell beat Brighton 4-2. I, I know you guys don't care as listeners, but I'm into this. Uh, Pinkney. Pinkney's beating Detroit Country Day. Are you kidding me? Hmm. All right. Um, that's nice. So then the other, you know, like like I was talking about... Um, Sorry, I'm I'm on Twitter again. Ha. I know this is all right. Sorry, like I said, guys, I apologize. It's it that to me, knowing the scores and being able to talk about it, I've got a ton of people actually talking to me about the these games. Um you know, I got I gotta gotta get that out there. All right, so is there a point of the NFL combine? Like I said, it, it it's up in the air. Like, for the top guys, it doesn't matter. For the bottom guys, it it does. You know, guys want to move into the first round with their combine numbers. But to me, I'm a tape guy. The tape is the biggest thing that matters. I don't care about your 40 time. If I can see a beaten Ohio State's corner running down the field, I'm, I'm drafting you. You know what I mean? All right, so can Chase Young fall to the Lions at number three? Normally, we're not having this conversation, right? And, and and I'm about, you know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, he's fallen. He's fallen to the Detroit Lions. And other people are like, okay, no way the Redskins pass on him. Now, here's the thing. The Bengals, they've got Joe Burrow. That's almost a lock. But it all comes down to what the Washington Redskins will do. Dwayne Haskins or not. Do they want Dwayne to be their quarterback or not? That's pretty much what it comes down to. Dwayne Haskins. Do they want Dwayne or do they want Tua? What do the Redskins want to do? Personally, I don't know. That's kind of a tough choice. Both very good college quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins was a dominant college quarterback. Trust me, I'm a Michigan fan. I've seen. Dominant college quarterback. Or do they want Chase Young? Dominant defensive line. Okay. What are they going to do? It's interesting. But I'm going to say they draft Chase Young. And the Lions probably will draft Tua, even though I wouldn't draft Tua, but hey, whatever. I've already talked about that. If you want to listen to my take on the Lions draft, stay tuned for like episode 8, 9, 10, 11, or go back to like 6, 5, 4, 3. Talked about it. Talk about what I want them to do already. They'll draft Tua, and I'll be disappointed. I'm not going to be angry. I just think it's not the best option for this team moving forward. But what do I know? I'm not the NFL GM. I'm not the NFL GM that says, hey, 9-7 and seven isn't good enough, but 3-12-1, hey, I like that. Like, I, I just, uh, this team, team pisses me off. Lions piss me off a lot. But no matter what, so like Chase Young falling to the Lions at number three. Like, it, it, it might happen, and everyone's going to be like, oh my God, it happened, and Chase Young's going to be a bust. Like, Whoever the Lions draft, I'm convinced. Whoever the Lions draft, they're just not going to pan out. Like if Chase Young drops to number three, Tua will then be the greatest quarterback in the league right next to Brady, and Chase Young will be a bust. But if they draft Tua and Chase Young goes at number two, Chase Young will be the greatest player, greatest defensive lineman in the NFL, and Tua will be a complete shit show. Like, it's the Lions' luck. That's what's going to happen. And it's maybe because they can't develop these players. I don't know. But that's just, it's, it'd be SOL, right? 
totally, it would it'd be total SOM. The Washington Redskins haven't totally bought Dwayne Haskins yet. And that's why this kind of story came about is, oh my God, could Chase Young drop to number three? Well, no one actually knows yet. Um, definitely could happen because the Redskins are talking about maybe taking a quarterback and that quarterback would be Tua at number two, unless for some strange reason that the Bengals want to take Tua and not Joe Burrow. I don't know. Um, but two is the number two quarterback off the board. It would be the Redskins. If not, it's probably going to be the Lions. Disagree with that totally. But I guess if I'm focused on what's best for the Lions, if I had to say Tua or Chase Young, I'm saying, hey, Redskins draft Tua, please. I don't want another quarterback. Matt Stafford's my quarterback. Let's get a defensive lineman and hope Chase Young is legit in the NFL. All right, last segment of the day of today's podcast of episode number seven. It's March, baby. It is March. March Madness is here. Can Michigan or Michigan State make it all the way? Can they win the Big Ten title? Can they make it to the Final Four? I'm going to say yes. I think both teams can. And then here's the kicker. They could also both lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament and in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They're both playoff. They're both in for sure. But here's the thing. They could both lose that first game. In the Big Ten tournament, the first opponent they play, they could lose that. And they could also lose in the NCAA tournament in the first round. But they also could be Big Ten champions. They also could be national champions. This, these, Both these teams are so up and down. You know, I think people are like reacting like... um, They're reacting like, oh, wow, like... What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. They, they react like Michigan State. Oh, my God. They're hitting their stride, right? Like 100% hitting their stride. It's unreal. But they've hit their stride before and not done anything. Like, you get what I'm saying? It's so up and down. It's unreal. Then you look at Michigan. Well, if Isaiah Livers isn't hitting threes and no one is. Can't count on Xavier Simpson. But the Big Ten, it's wide open. A lot of good teams, a lot of competitive teams. A lot of good teams, not a lot of great teams. But no one's no one's ever great in college basketball anymore. It doesn't seem like, like ever. For some odd reason, no one's ever great anymore. So March Madness is here. March Madness is coming. I feel like it's been all year. I think this has been such a great year of college basketball. Um, but some quick hitters, Gonzaga, Kansas will probably be in the final four. Those are my two final four locks is Duke for real. Well, I don't think anyone really knows what Duke is. They'll go beat two top teams. You know, they'll go beat two top 10 teams and then they'll go lose to two teams with losing records. Like this is very inconsistent coach K team, very inconsistent Duke team. I don't know what's going to happen. Are they for real? They could, you know what? Someone brought up a point. Big cat on pardon my take. I'll listen to can Duke, I'm sorry, can North Carolina actually go out and win the ACC tournament? Like that, that's a question I really want to ask. Can North Carolina win the ACC tournament? It's very possible. This team is healthy now. This team is playing better basketball. They're going to play Duke on Saturday at six o'clock. That's a game I'm going to tune into. 
if they go out and play well, beat them, North Carolina could make the NCAA tournament by winning the ACC tournament. Very possible. Don't. Obviously, they got to win it to make it. And this is a struggling team. But if they win that, I might start. If they beat Duke Saturday, I might say, hey, watch this team in the ACC tournament. They could be there. Roy Williams, he'll find a way to get it done. I hope you enjoyed episode number seven of Crunch Time with Jacob Cox. Like I said, thank you for joining me. I am Jacob Cox. This was a great episode. Red Wings make two moves at the deadline. NHL trade deadline recap and what's next. Will Brady really leave New England? I say no, but I give you the options of where he'll go if he does. Who would be the Patriots quarterback then if Tom Brady does leave? The NFL Combine. Chase Young to the Lions at number three, and it's March, baby. Please, please join me back for episode number eight of Crunch Time with Jacob Cox. Thank you. Have a great day. Good night.